The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Today I created a congratulations grads 2020 design for a card which finishes the bowl on gift baskets for a group of grade sevens who are leaving elementary school for the beginning of a five-year stretch of high school and then beyond. After the artwork was completed, I texted my friend who is organizing the production and when we were satisfied with it, I asked her when she needed the cards. I also wrote, what do you do when meeting good friends these days? I'll let you know that I hug them. However, I understand that if this is not something you're comfortable with, I will respect your boundaries. I just want to get that out of the way to avoid all the weird discomfort that folks seem to unconsciously display these days. After previously texting and emailing with her with almost immediate response every single time, my friend paused and did not answer for about 20 minutes. Although I saw the red notification at the lower right hand of my sent text box. She indeed had received and read my message. A little while later, she came back with the following. I'm still smiling and waving from a comfortable distance, but I'm a little extreme that way, perhaps, inching towards hugging my friends again very soon, as I am a person who loves to hug as well. So how do we get to this awkward place? As we slowly open up our societies, we are once again inundated with the mainstream media's reopening of fresh wounds to the human psyche, as directed by our governments and health officials. Headlines warn of new spikes of COVID-19 cases, record numbers of cases reported on this day, a probable second wave expected sometime in the fall, and on and on it rolls. Further pronouncements of mandatory mask wearing when you can't social distance is recommended, and in many places it's become mandated as a prerequisite for shopping, taking transit, walking in trails, and just about any other situation which involves behaving like a human being in the world. Is this common sense reporting and sensible warning for a world allegedly gripped in the throes of a global pandemic? No, not really. J.B. Hanley from childrenshealthdefense.org writes, Knowing what we know today about COVID-19's infection fatality rate, asymmetric impact by age and medical condition, 
non-transmissibility by asymptomatic people and in outdoor settings, near zero fatality rate for children, and the basic understanding of viruses through Farr's law, locking down society was a boneheaded policy decision so devastating that historians may judge it as the all-time worst decision ever made. Worse, as, as these clear facts have become available, many policymakers haven't shifted their positions, despite the fact that every hour under any stage of lockdown has a domino effect of devastation to society. Meanwhile, the media, with a few notable exceptions, is oddly silent on all the good news. Luckily, an unexpected group of heroes across the political landscape, many of them doctors and scientists, have emerged to tell the truth. Despite facing extreme criticism and censorship from an angry mob desperate to continue fighting an imaginary war. He goes on, the infection fatality rate math of any new virus always declines over time as more data becomes available, as any virologist could tell you. In the early days of COVID-19, where we only had data from China, there was a fear that the IFR could be as high as 3.4%, which would indeed be cataclysmic. On April the 17th, the first study was published from Stanford researchers that should have ended all lockdowns immediately, as the scientists reported that their research implies that the infection is much more widespread than indicated by the number of confirmed cases and pegged the IFR between 0.12 to 0.2%. The researchers also speculated that the final IFR, as more data emerged, would likely, quote, be lower, unquote. For context, seasonal flu has an IFR of 0.1%. Smallpox, 30%. So, why the awkwardness between friends? The rules, the increased and ridiculous regulations in our lives. Is there a wider context we now need to become more aware of? Is there a plan for humanity which has been in the works for a very, very long time? A plan designed to manipulate us, to scare us into submission, perhaps to control us? An interesting byline at the bottom of an email message came across my screen the other day. It read, quote, we are all humans until race disconnected us, religion separated us, politics divided us, and wealth classified us, unquote. It's a good one. It's a good message. I suspect it comes from a rather idealistic young fellow. I actually know it does. It's true, I responded to him, there are programs in place to create structure, order, and in a sense to make sense of our world, to give it meaning. These generally are constructs which most people tend to adopt as truisms, often for a lifetime. Perhaps now we are overdue for new forms to help guide our lives, negotiate life's vicissitudes, and give a sense of direction to our existence. However, I said to him, let's be thoughtful and cautiously careful how we proceed, for what may be planned next could be far, far more strange and dangerous than anything we've encountered or experienced for a very, very long time. Those who try and sell us their vision of our collective future may not be aligned with our best interests 
our humanity, nor our very purpose, which could be something so glorious, so extraordinary, so liberating, that the shine of that potentiality may indeed be the thing that is so feared by them. I left him with a short poem, which I scratched out in the moment, if I may indulge you. Eyes wide open, a heart open wider still, more than the best of intentions for a promise just over the hill, more than the destination beyond the journey through the exquisite diamond's edge, cut sharp and measured true. Up, up and beyond, soaked down, down to, presciently fleeting, present for you. Watch, learn, and most of all feel. We are all feeling our way through. My name is Andrew Curry, and I, along with my co-hosts, Kinthea and Timothy Saunders, welcome you back and welcome you all. You are all welcome here on the other side of the news. Well, Andrew, good evening. Good evening, Timothy. That was, uh, that was a wonderful opening. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, really set the foundation for a wonderful show this evening. Yeah. Yeah. You covered many, many points in there, and I think many of them are very, uh, what can I say, fair. You're still giving a very fair view of, of what's happening in the world. You're giving the possibility of the other side. Uh, we've, we've been fairly slating on this show in the last few weeks. This is what, uh, show number 12 this evening? Is it yes. 12 weeks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious that we, we have our discussions through the week, we do our research, we, we, we put our heads together before the show, and then we come on and we talk and we discuss, and, and we're, uh, we have some wonderful guests to come on and, and uh, we can discuss everything with them as well. But, you know, we do say in our introduction that we offered, uh, offer a, a balanced view of what is happening in the world. And this evening, although I feel very strongly against um, the negative sides of 5G, I think it could be quite interesting to momentarily play a role, uh, personally, over the next few minutes. Let's see how long I last, um, to try and defend it. Let's mm. say I'm, I may play for the next few minutes to say, what could 5G do for us? What, what, what are the benefits? Do we need it? And so on. I think it could be interesting to explore that. Um, so to kick off, um, I was doing some research this week and I realized by the year 2020, it's estimated there would be something in the order of 20 billion IoT devices, IoT being Internet of Things. So... Let's just kick off, Andrew. That, let's just brainstorm a little bit. Let's be creative. What could 20 billion devices on the planet, which are connected up through the internet, so let's say your, your toaster's talking to your fridge, your fridge talking to your microwave, your microwave's talking to your telephone. I don't know. Let, let's just explore. What benefits do you think that could be possibly 
uh, why, why do we need 5G? Let's play this game. Okay. Uh, well, if we watch uh, sort of pop culture and science fiction shows and you know movies, we could be like Captain Picard and talk to the computer to make Earl Grey medium, you know, very hot or whatever, and have something immediately respond to you. Or you could be, um, I don't know, asking your your car garage door to open as you approach, or get the right temperature in your house, or you know, something along these lines. But my my, well, th there's some of it, Tim. I mean, does that? Is that a good start for our kickoff? Well, no, I'm, I'm really trying to give it a chance because I don't think I'm going to last very long. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, if I go back, let's think, go back to around 15 years ago, I was yeah. involved in the design of a sort of a ultra luxury uh, hotel. And uh, this is a project that went on for, you know, five or six years. It was a huge project with a, a rollout of multiple hotels around the world. Um, something in the in the 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 realm of uh, not emulating, but something in the realm of sort of the Burj Al Arab, but uh, different horizontal floating and so on and so on. But anyway, I won't go into the whole in details of it all. But one of the big plus points that I remember even making presentations for myself before I became more far more aware about this technology or the harmful side of this technology was that if you are a guest and you go into your, you know, your luxury hotel room in, in let's say, London, and, uh, you know, it's the first time you enter this, so, you know, obviously your, your credit card details, your telephone number, your personal details and so on will be recorded when you make your booking. When you actually experience your first stay in that hotel room, then the, I guess, before I knew it was called that, but the Internet of Things would be recording your movements, what temperature you like the room, the temperature that you like your bath, right, right. the duration, and so on and so on. And see, so the whole profile is made up of that person. Right. And uh, that is then goes into the, you know, the database so that when you then revisit the same hotel group, but perhaps, let's say, New York or you know, Tokyo or somewhere else, then as soon as you go into your room, the room knows through the database who you are and all of your preferences. So straight away, you know, the temperature's dialed in to suit you, um, perhaps in advance your, your preferred wine or, or whatever is, is, is set up in the room, your, your, your menu is, is personalized to you and so on and so on. So on that side of things, I remember making presentations about this and this seemed really quite harmless and quite positive as something to give, you know, wonderful service for the future. Right, right. But as I say, this is 15 years ago. So I have to say, I still quite like that idea. I'm talking about a very, very niche market. I understand. I'm, I'm not, this is not a, this is definitely a first world, uh, first world I'm discussing here. But I quite like that idea. But the point is, why did the technology, this, this Wi-Fi, smart meters, um, you know, 5G, why why was the harmful wavelength used that, that's what i'm interested i'm interested to learn why that is and and you know the, of all the frequencies available um i really i'm curious to know why something which is you know in essence a a uh, military grade uh, wavelength has been chosen uh to to connect all of these things up yeah which circles back to what you know, what we've been covering the last number of weeks since, you know, the outbreak of oh, this information pandemic 
that you know what what is really going on behind the scenes and who is hating humanity so much tim that they have to treat us this way i mean is is it ourselves just being sloppy you know i was reading something recently that the un has reported that i believe it's over 40% of the planet does not have access to the internet so it it equals about uh 3.6 billion people right now on our earth do not have access to the internet so it's interesting that you should bring up this hotel because again who is this going to benefit in the future well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, let me just go back very one step because I'm talking about a very, very niche uh, yeah. elite market. But I mean, that, let's let's take it down to a more practical level. But yeah. I, I will come back to your point, Andrew. You know, for example, when you're shopping, if you're in a supermarket and so on, I believe a lot of people have charge cards. A lot of people have, you know, discount cards, whatever you want to call them, or, or customer uh, complimentary cards. What and as far as I know, the technology has been available in in. For, for years, maybe 10 years or more, where little cameras and monitors are following people in supermarkets to see where your eyes uh, are cast, first of all. You're looking at the top shelf, the bottom shelf, you're looking at the left, the right. And of course, you know, most supermarkets, for example, also have video cameras, so they can actually record and see how people behave and what which packets they take. And, you know, this, this technology, again, about, you know, not paying on the way out you know, as you walk out with it it is automatically deducted from your accounts and so on so you know there are I'm, I'm still trying to find the positives here um you know the idea of perhaps you know a, a medical profile and so on uh that that can have all of your allergies and perhaps you know your blood count or if you're if you're diabetic or if you're you know how your eyesight uh, is perhaps you know, if, if somebody is ever injured i mean you know, maybe you could tap into that and, and perhaps you could be have life-saving um you know medicine or, or therapy whatever it is to sort of could make the difference between you know a, a negative or positive outcome so i i can see that there could be lots of other ideas but and again i'm going to come back to your point now i think what has happened is that the that's all fine, but then you have to imagine they, the people that control it, the people who have access to all this information, are trustworthy. Mm. And let me put it back to you in that case. I mean, that, that is, I think, the, the main problem is the technology is, is potentially harmful and the level of trust with those who control it is yeah, completely off the chart, in my opinion. Well, you know... Oh, go ahead, Kinthea. Kinthea's here. So good evening, everyone. This is Kinthea, and I'm happy to be joining the conversation. I'm just like thinking about how even today, when you go to purchase something, it comes, it's the wrong order, or they've charged you for something, and now they want to talk about just automatically charging you. What, like, how would you? you know, take that up with them, you know, if they are controlling all the data, how would you even prove that, no, I didn't take that out with me out of the store. I didn't buy that. They could just charge whatever they want. And sometimes they do. Well, and another thing, Kinthea and Tim, Tim, you brought up something about choosing the wrong kind of, uh, can you describe it again? The wrong, the the like, in this five G technology, they you said military grade. Yes. Okay. So again, I went without wishing to put some of the listeners to sleep. Um, 
I have talked about this story at least once before. And that is, again, going back to one of my projects again around, it must have been around 2005 or six. I was uh, contributing to writing an article in a nautical magazine about the future technology of anti-piracy devices you can put on a super yacht, a mega yacht, and so on. Okay. And various things to defend yourself uh, without actually pulling guns out, because, of course, you know, guns are fairly, uh, what should we say, confrontational. But there are ways of seeing in the dark. Obviously, we know about that. We know about uh, night vision is, is, is commonplace now. Um, but also the other thing is that at that time, there was a technology where you could actually send a frequency, a sound at a certain frequency, and you could render people uh, sort of unable to stand up. They could have like stomach pains, they could have cramps, they could have headaches, they could feel like throwing up, um, they could be depressed. Um, so clearly this technology, which I believe was also first used, I mean, it's not new. It's, it was, I think it was used in the, the Gulf as well. I think it was the first Gulf War. Um, Keith this says it's called hypersonic sound. Hypersonics. Oh, thank you, Keith. Well, let's let's trust that Keith is not going to push any red buttons this evening while we all have our headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows far too much about that too early in the show. But um, <laughs> but I mean, the, the point is that this is a military grade. What to come back to your point, Andrew, is that one of one of the uh, the pieces of research I was doing this week, I was reading through, is that. Uh, something which Mark Steele, uh, which is a guest I hope we will uh, bring on to the show in, in the near future. He's a guy in the UK that uh, has uh, been very busy in, in the uh, the fight against uh, 5G. Um, he was discussing, and also let me just point out as well, that he does have a military background and he has a very uh, good technical background as well about this. So, so he was saying that um, the power of i think one of the switches that is inside or connected with the transmitter i'm not totally au fait with this maybe perhaps we can ask our researcher anetta to come on and explain a little bit more detail later but the uh the tra the switch in the for the transmitter was so massively overpowered you know it was something in the region of i think 3000 watts as opposed to 1.3 watts which is the legal top level which is which is you know admissible for for public use so his, his point was why on earth would you have a switch which is capable of such a taking such a high power when the maximum legal level is is you know a fraction so the point is that while 5g can be used safely is, is a big word and let's ask our guest later on but let's just say it could be with uh, carefully used in a safe, safer way. The point is that it's all too easy to push the button, turn the dial up, and to literally use it as, as a weapon. And that's what I mean by a weaponized technology, Andrew. Well, I mean, you know, is this one of those other examples? And I know we're, you know, this is moving into obviously the kind of conspiracy concept, you two, but if you're going to create a problem, <laughs> right off the bat with a new technology, like anything. Are you doing this, um, what, what is it called, the Hegelian dialect? This idea of creating a problem so that everybody experiences the problem and then everybody starts to demand for some kind of answer or solution and then, oh, here we have an answer for you. And is that answer potentially to integrate humanity 
with the technology, with some sort of augmentation. I mean, Elon Musk has been talking about this all over the place to literally change us, to adapt us to what is being imposed on us. Mm. Well, there's a very interesting interview he did with uh, Joe Rogan fairly recently, a few weeks back, and we posted it and mentioned it before as well, but he was literally, Elon Musk was talking about uh, taking a hole saw and cutting a, a, a circular hole out of the skull of uh, a living person and to insert with a robot these sort of micro wires, which are basically sort of, I guess, gold filaments or something ultra thin and but very high, high uh, efficient conductivity. And then ultimately plug that into something which resembles a smartwatch, which is the same shape as the hole that's been removed from the skull. And then the skin is pulled back over, it's stitched up and the hair is combed over that. And there you are, you now connected literally to a, you know, a Bluetooth Wi-Fi uh, smartwatch device, which can interface with the brain. Now, I, I don't fancy that idea very much, do you? No, <laughs> but, it's, but this is what um, guys like Elon Musk are saying. I mean, I even have a link. Uh, my friend, I often refer to Paul, but my friend Paul sent this to me, in, and this is something that people can do. Again, after the show, you go to the other side of midnight.com, and you type in that, and you come to the show page, and you'll find the other side of the news, and you tap on that show banner which it tonight is closing the gates to a 5G dystopia, which is what we've been poking around for this you know, last 26 minutes. And you come down to my items under fast links. And if you go to my number, um, hang on, I'll roll down. It's number eight. And it's about AI and transhumanism. And you know, this, whoever put this film together is basically just kind of quoting or at least showing clips from various, you know, researchers like Elon Musk, people like himself and others, uh, and apparently another insider fellow who was in the, the U.S. military and knows about these technologies and how it's literally coming to become this 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 bridge into humanity, and it, it is a frightening thing. I mean, again, we're we're really jumping out on that ledge of of speculation, right? But. Again, it comes back to this idea of, well, why are we using such bad frequencies? Like, is it just because it makes somebody more money and who cares about us? But I always come back to you guys, well, if the, if the, if the proverbial they are rolling this stuff out, don't they have families too? And don't, aren't they worried about their health? Or are we just blindly stumbling into a technology that we just don't quite understand yet? And is that humanity's problem all the time? I mean, our guest last week talked about literally we're building a, a tower of Babel. And there's a lot of connotations off that metaphor, but are we literally just accelerating so much with with all of our tech and all of our understanding, in this, you know, in all scientific realms, in physics and in chemistry, in biology, that we're just literally seeing ourselves as little demigods and we're just doing whatever, no matter the consequence. I I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, Andrew, do you have anything resembling Alexa in your house? Alexa's, I think, is that. Is that the Amazon or is that the Google device? I have no idea. I don't have one. But uh, this this thing that sits and listens and, yeah. and do you have one of those in your house? No, but I know the phone sometimes if you accidentally say, what is it? Uh, oh, no, what, what, is the, what is the one for the phone, guys? The Siri. iPhone. Siri. Yeah. If you suddenly say Siri, you, know, you hear this voice pop up somewhere in your room talking to you. So I think we have it already. Well, I think we have to say, hey, Siri, and now we're going to oh, have okay. all the listeners around the planet, uh, all of their phones going off saying, yes, <laughs> but can I help you? 
<laughs> well, I even heard the story but, uh, about Alexa yeah, where this uh, couple uh, was. I, and actually, my, mine's just started on my laptop. There we are. There we go. <laughs> she says, I'm not sure I understand. No, well, of course you don't. There we go. <laughs> I heard this uh, story about Alexa where this couple was talking about someone. And Alexa dialed at someone on the phone. Oh. And they were, you know, didn't know that they had been dialed. And so the person was listening to what they were saying about them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So there we com go. Com com comedy is another, another thing to, uh, another plus point for this sort of technology. I'm looking for the plus points, seeing how long I'm going to last this evening with plus points. But there we are, the providing comedy. But... Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. So um, we're coming, we're up, coming up on the break now, dear ones. It is uh, you're listening to the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Dr. Deborah Green. We're going to bring her on right after the break. And the show tonight is called the Closing the Gates to a 5G Dystopia. Catch you on the other side. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, Our desire is to awaken your imagination, imagination with questions, questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And the other side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. And welcome back to The Other Side of the News. So to find our show page, please go to theothersideofmidnight.com. And tonight's banner is called Closing the Gates to a 5G Dystopia. 
In the future, if you're looking for our shows in the nav bar, whether it's on your phone at the top or it's on your computer on the left, you'll find the other side of the news, and that will take you to our shows. So tonight we have an amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Deborah Green. I'm so pleased to have you with us, Deborah. Uh, She earned her Ph.D. from Ohio State University and has a total of three academic degrees in communication. She's a community organizer, educator, and catalyzer of a meaningful action who founded KeepYourPower.org to stop the proliferation of wireless technology in the Hawaiian Islands and to advocate for safe technology. She first focused efforts on stopping smart meters back in 2013, met with some success, and has since shifted efforts to 5G. Deborah first wrote about the harmful effects of wireless radiation in her groundbreaking book, Endless Energy, The Essential Guide to Energy Health, which came out 11 years ago. You can visit her online at www.yourenergymatters.com. Welcome, Dr. Deborah. So good to have you with us. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha. Wonderful. Wonderful to be here. Good, good. So we were just speaking a little while ago, and you mentioned that you could speak a little bit about some of the technologies, the products that are on the market. Yes, I I was uh, biting my tongue because I wanted to jam in. I was like, no, I better wait my turn. <laughs> so um, I can yeah I can speak just just briefly about some of the smart products that are already out there. Um, on on the market and and what they're allegedly supposed to do for us. Um, There is on the market already smart diapers. And smart diapers are designed to um, let you know, not by holding your baby and checking the baby's diaper. No, no, no. If you want to know if the baby's diaper needs to be changed, you look at your phone. So you interact with your phone because the smart diaper has, uh, you know, sensors in it that will tell you if the baby's diaper needs to be changed or not. Um, At this point, it only works for urine. It does not work for bowel movements. Um, And of course, all the while that it's doing this, it is irradiating your baby's genitalia when we know, in fact, that this type of microwave radiation uh, causes reproductive harm. That's well established in the research. Um, We have... We have, exactly. We have smart pacifiers so that if your baby drops the pacifier, you don't have to look for it because you just look at your phone because the pacifier is GPS enabled and uh, can track that down. Um, We have smart mattresses now and the smart mattress is designed to sense many different aspects of your body as you sleep. And... um, not only that, but the smart mattress is designed to let you know if, if your partner is cheating on you. What? Yes, because the smart mattress can tell who is, if, if it's you or somebody else um, in the bed, apparently. Um, we have smart pills already on the market, and the smart pills... Um, One, it can tell whether or not you're actually taking the medication. And if you do not take the medication, that can potentially be reported to your health care provider as well as your insurance company. 
Um, if you do take the medication, it is tracking everything that's going on inside your body as you are ingesting the medication. And of course, all of that data is being collected and uh, available through your phone. Um, we have, well, we'll try to keep the show uh, G-rated so we won't talk about the sex bots. Um, we have smart condoms that are designed to measure uh, not only your semen output, but also your thrust. And the ever-popular WombPod, which is a device that is inserted into the mother's womb, um, el- again, emitting electromagnetic radiation all the while, and it is designed to serenade the developing fetus with music of your choice. So that's just a sampling of some of the products that are already on the market. Wow. Good, good evening, Deborah. This, oh. I just saying good evening. <laughs> oh, good evening. <laughs> Deborah, I got to get this. And this reminds me of this really creepy film from the 70s. I, I remember seeing it as a teenager in, you know, in the 80s, late 80s. And it was this, this house that was fully automated. I cannot remember the name of the film. But it was fully automated. It was totally robotic. And it literally was – there was a woman put in there, and she eventually was impregnated by this house somehow. It was a very, very <laughs> – odd. no, it, 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 it sounds like it. It sounds uh, like we've I know, come right? there now. I can see oh, my coming. gosh. Yep. No pun intended. We have come there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so may I just ask the, the question that's burning on my lips is why on earth do we need all of this – rubbish frankly i mean if a, if this just goes through the list i mean if if a baby soils him or herself then we have a nose we have hands we have fingers we can see we can we can understand how the child is how the baby is we don't need this if we have uh <laughs> i mean if we go all through these other things it's it's like what is the point who on earth would spend money on this Oh, money is being spent. Uh, really? Oh, yes. Smart diapers, especially, um, I think, are pretty popular. You know, it's it's convenience, and uh, people are already addicted to their phones. And what, so, hang on. is that the convenience of not having the uh, the possibility of having grandchildren? Because <laughs> because if it, if it really is that harmful, then uh, then presumably, you know, the idea of having grandchildren is just like going to be a myth in the future. Yes, I have to assume that most people who are buying smart diapers don't realize, you know, that that there is this harm. There's so many people who believe that if it's on the market, it must be safe and and that the government is protecting us. And this is exactly not true. I mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, in my lifetime, um, when I was growing up, doctors were recommending that people smoke cigarettes. Yes, I remember Right. And my best friend's mother, uh, her doctor told her to smoke cigarettes while she was pregnant. The doctor said it would help her with her pregnancy. I mean, of course, we know better now, but there's there's many, you know, examples like that. And um, this is right now we're in the wild, wild west of wireless where it's, you know, everything goes. We're going to look back on this era and we're going to say, oh, my God, can you believe we used to hold cell phones next to our head? Yeah, and sleep on them, sleep next to them, have mm. them next to our bedside table switched on, not on airplane mode or, or deactivated or whatever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 
So I mean, we cannot, you know, the government is not protecting us and we cannot believe or trust that because a product is on the market, it must be safe. And those are two really common fallacies, you know. So what proportion of people do you think we're talking about here? Because this is something I've been talking, we, we, in fact, we've all been discussing this week, is this sort of this demographic, what what type, what is the group that doesn't get it, that, that is buying, you know, I think it's diapers. I think it's enormous. I think it's enormous because it's it's not just that, but it's also the propaganda that is being put out by big telecom. And I mean, it's relentless. You cannot, you know, watch anything on the Internet. You can't sit in a movie theater. Well, of course, we can't do that anymore anyway right now. But back when we could go to the movie theater, you know, the the screens were, were advertising, you know, how great 5G is. And it's in all of the newspapers and, and on and on. I mean, there's such a massive propaganda campaign from this multi-trillion dollar industry brainwashing everyone into believing that 5G is going to, you know, bring us faster downloads and, you know, less latency and make our lives a whole lot better. Okay. I know I'm hogging and I'm going to give way in just a second, but I'm really interested about this, this group, this, this group of people who really think, you know, uh, you know, Bluetooth condoms are a great idea because you can measure the, you know, the G force or the thrust or whatever you're going to do. Um, <laughs> these people, you know, how did they get there? Are they fair game? Are they half asleep on their feet? I mean, is is there some something you know? Did, did they miss you know a certain lesson at school, or, or you know, did did they have a vaccine I didn't? How did they get to where they are? Really? Uh, peer pressure. I think it's a lot of young people who grew up with these technologies, and it's it's as if the phone is a part of their body. They have incorporated the phone to such extent that they do see it as an extension of their body. And so when you talk about these other products that are, you know, designed to collect data inside our bodies and out and in close proximity, it does not phase them. Mm. Well, I literally, one of the, as I mentioned it already this evening earlier, but, you know, one of the pieces of research I was listening to earlier and it, it, this week, it was... I think it actually went out about a year or so ago. It's not a new piece of, uh, not, not a new sort of short documentary. But they were estimating by the year 2020, which is, we're halfway through it pretty much, there would be 20 billion Internet of Things devices. Yes. Now, now, what are we talking about? What sort of melange of harmful frequencies, you know, radiation are we talking about? How would... How would we start to quantify this? If we're talking about 5G, which is kind of interesting to talk about because 5G is basically a marketing term and it can mean whatever big telecom wants it to mean. And as a matter of fact, big telecom companies are, are fighting with each other about what 5G actually means. And an example of that is... Um, T-Mobile is advertising that they have the most extensive 5G coverage. And T-Mobile does not use the higher frequency millimeter waves that are typically associated with 5G. T-Mobile is using the lower band end of the microwave part of the spectrum. 
And so, you know, other telecom companies are saying T-Mobile doesn't really have 5G. It's not authentic 5G. It's it's fake 5G. It's it's 4.9 G. They're saying. And because because they're threatened by the fact that, you know, T-Mobile has more extensive coverage. So we need to understand that 5G is very ill-defined. It's basically a marketing term, and the definition of it keeps changing. So for, for our purposes, what we need to understand is that 5G is, is built into 4G, 5G cannot function without 4G. 4G is what we have right now, 4G, LTE. Um, And so we have to understand the two of them together. And a lot of what's happening right now all over the country and the world, in fact, is that they're beefing up 4G towers and antennas in preparation for 5G. And most of the infrastructure at this point which is not the 5G small cells emitting the millimeter waves, it's the big towers and antennas that are easily convertible to 5G with a software update. So it's important foundational information. That's very interesting. In, in Turkey for the last, I don't know, probably five years, I normally live in southwest Turkey, they have had this thing called 4.5G. And I remember four or yep. five years ago, they had uh, Cristiano Ronaldo coming on advertising and he even spoke Turkish, which was interesting. He's basically saying, I need more speed. And, uh, you know, that's quite a statement for, for this you know, very prolific footballer. But um, mm. so 4.5G, I have no, no idea what that is. But that did wake me up to looking around at the legislation or the rules, which uh, are clearly not being very well uh, thought out in Turkey, in my opinion. Because the amount of times I've seen a transmitter, which is more or less at the same height uh, adjacent or on the opposite side of the road next door to a house, you know, a a family house at their window level, and probably within, let's say, five meters, what's that, 15 feet? So, not 15, 20 feet, probably. 20 feet would be it. And I've seen that so many times. And it, you imagine the sort of the coastline of the part of Turkey I'm living in. They have like multiple transmitters all the way up and down the coastline. Um, and I've also seen them experimenting in lots of things where they're actually bouncing the beam off the side of a mountain to, I guess, project it onto the other side of the bay or the other side of a, a cove or something along those lines. Mm. So there's an awful lot of experimentation going on and all under the guise of 4.5G. So I'm very interested to hear about this software update. Is it, is it simply as, as, you know, is it like turning up the juice? Is it turning up the power on f- standard 4G or is it more to it? Um, it's, it changes the frequencies, I would say. But I'm, I am not, a, a, you know, an engineer. And, and so I can't, you know, answer that definitively. Okay. Yeah. Got- Guys, do you have any questions? Because I'm, I'm. Otherwise, I'm going to go into a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, Deborah. So you mentioned something about just early on here that, you know, the people that are developing this this technology just are literally have grown up with it, and like you said, this these devices have become extensions of their own bodies. So the idea of directing these 
devices into their bodies or waves or you know or frequencies like with the diapers and the condoms and this kind of thing it's just for them is a natural progression is it that or is it more uh, let me just preface preface this with um the film star wars from 1977 I, this is may seem going away a little bit oh by the way that film i was talking about uh, about that house that had that technology it was called demon seed and funny enough it was from 19 19- 77 as well <laughs> so just for the listeners just because i said it um in 1977 because star wars became such a hit with um you know people all over the planet uh everybody began to sort of study what was going on and, and what george lucas sort of told the world was that he studied the mythologist uh joseph campbell and kind of used his earmark points along the along the hero's journey to sort of construct the script of his film the story of his film and then thus the, the script and so there was this um hollywood development executive named christopher volger and he used campbell's work to create um, a seven-page company memo for screenwriters and it was called a practical guide to the hero with a thousand face faces and it followed the design set out by lucas my point is that memo went out it was faxed like crazy around hollywood and everybody sort of tried to you know make that the template for their movie so they could make a lot of money is it simply that? Is it just like the you know like we're going to get more information? We're going to be able to get it faster. We can get our more streaming video, so we're going to get on board and just damn the the potential problems here. Or is, is no, there just, it's hmm. not that, if I may say so. I mean, every in all of these smart devices, and and I, I focused you know, earlier, particularly on the ones that are that are tracking information about our bodies, you know, close to our bodies and right. inside of our bodies. Now, there's yeah. many, many smart appliances and devices that track, you know, stuff a further distance from us, but all of these things are collecting data. Yeah. And data is the next gold mine. Data is the next cash cow. Data is the next industrial revolution. That's where all the money is going. That's where all the money is coming from. And there's an enormous amount of money to be made from that data. So, it, you know, on one level, it's about the data and the money. And then on another level, it's also about surveillance because, yeah. you know, this is this is all surveillance uh, technology. Yeah. So no, I, surveillance and money and data—that's um, what it's all about, in my opinion. Okay, so track those slaves. Yeah, but let, let's just break this down a minute because I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I've read about it and thought, have my own thoughts about this. But let's just say we have. You know, we're collecting these profiles. I mentioned, I mentioned the Burley in terms of this sort of luxury hotel concept, and uh, you know, there's this profile or medical profile or a shopping profile, whatever it is. Let's just say there is this profile. Mm-hmm. Now, why does that have a value? Why why is it valuable? Uh, it, well, it's valuable for marketing purposes because they can market to you based on all of that infinitesimal detailed information about you. And it's also valuable because a lot of this stuff is tracking. It's constantly tracking you. Every single movement of your body is being tracked 24-7, 365. Okay. And that's valuable for military purposes. Or if you want to go down the rabbit hole you know, 
you don't have to go very far down the rabbit hole to see how that could be purposeful. No, absolutely. I, I, I can understand that. But what I'm just trying to say is that value. So ultimately, we're looking for somebody to sell something to us. So are not we, ultimately, that's one piece of it, but that's not the ultimate. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's deal with that piece first of all, and just, just very quickly, let's just say that, you know, I think certainly I know that all of us on this show, uh, we've had many conversations where we've talked or we've discussed something and then, you know, out of the blue, we have this Google ad or, you know, advert comes up on the internet or we get an email, a spam email saying, oh, would you like to buy a goldfish? You know, we just talked about it about, you know, an hour or two hours before or something. And there we have this, you know, this random occurrence of a goldfish advert coming it's to us. It's not our, random and it's I know, quicker than that. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to lay out the, the principle. But yes, yes. So. This is something which is not a level playing field in the same way as it's not a level playing field if you go into uh, a supermarket because, you know, we think we make choices. And actually, there's a, um, an interesting documentary, I think, coming out soon. I, guys, I, I think we, we shared it a few weeks ago. It's, um, uh, what's it called? Absolute, mm, I, I've forgotten the name. I'll look it up, but maybe after the break. But it's basically a documentary showing that we may think we have free choice, we may have freedom of choice, but in reality, the amount of choices we have are already pulling us down a certain direction or in a certain direction. So our choices are already limited by the options available. And I think that we also see that you know society and, and humanity is being engineered uh, in terms of you know this this the way that social media is, everything becomes a like or a dislike, you know, and, and it's 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 not like a freedom to express your own word. And maybe I don't find it, I like it or dislike it. Maybe I find it interesting or maybe I find it fascinating or, or wonderful or disgusting or dreadful, whatever it is. But that whole choice has disappeared and I can only choose between a thumb up or a thumb down. Or I think in, in some cases, you know, I can put a, a, a ridiculous smiley face or a red angry face. So we're being dumbed down with our choices. So is yes. that something which is happening in parallel to our um you know what can i say um you know our, our, our choices are being limited our, our ability to choose is being limited and also our choices are being selected at the same time so again is that something is that paranoia or is there is there a they <laughs> out there that's actually doing this well i don't think it's paranoia but i also think that um sometimes the opposite method is used, but the outcome is the same. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can go into a grocery store and you have a choice of 25 different types of mustard. And, and so you stand there and you feel like you have choice because there's 25 different types of mustard to choose from. But it's such, it's such a, a time consuming and, um, ridiculous thing to focus on, right? <laughs> so I think that's also part of it as well, where there's actually an explosion of choices on things that that don't matter. And it's all it's all meant to to keep our minds, you know, occupied with with very uh, insignificant things so that we don't question the bigger things. Mm. Indeed. Yeah, Kintia, do you have anything to bring at this point? 
Well, yes, I, you're talking about choices, and I'm wondering, I know that you're doing things about action to protect ourselves, and I understand that there's something we can do about the technology itself, and then there's also legal actions we can take. So it's, it's a really broad field, but even before that, I, there are so many different types of EMF, and I'm curious if you would, you know, inform us a little bit about what these differences are and how they affect us. Sure, yes. Um, so there's, there's the microwave frequency radiation, which is basically... Um, Wi-Fi and cell phones and Bluetooth and Fitbit and um, anything that runs, you know, on on uh, those kinds of frequencies. You know, all the devices that are hooked up to Bluetooth. Or I shouldn't say hooked up because they're not physically hooked up, but you know what I'm saying. So those things and cordless phones as well. All of that stuff is operating in the microwave frequency. So and. So yep. those who are wearing like earbuds for your, you know, you see people wearing the earbuds in their ears. Is that like I know someone who sleeps with it, believe it or not. Is that uh, that is very, very, very dangerous, very nasty, ridiculous thing to do because those earbuds in particular are are harmful because they are emitting radiation and people you know you put them in your ears and in your ear you're there's no protection of the cranium there's no it goes straight into your brain is what i'm trying to say mm. and those are just really really nasty um to be avoided at all costs especially since there are perfectly viable other options you know wired options Mm-hmm. that are that are um you know safer for us so when you say terrible what what would you expect to happen with the exposure from this and i'm just butty and sorry kintia yeah well i mean on the there's the the amount of damage and the array of symptoms from from this type of radiation is enormous so, um, you know, we can talk about the gross physical stuff like brain tumors and cardiac dysfunction, leukemia, damage to our DNA, immune disruption, uh, cancers of various types, actually, uh, breaching of the blood-brain barrier and damage to our cells. That's all on the physical level. Um, but then there's also a lot that happens on the neurological level, giving symptoms that are that are much more mild, much less much less severe, but still you know debilitating, and that's like insomnia and behavioral disruption, memory loss, dementia, um, you know sleeplessness, irritability. Um, the, the list goes on and on. Um, skin rashes. That's another one. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can see that it's almost break okay. time, so yeah, I'm, I'm stopping myself, but I could go on and on. Yeah, okay, let's come back after the music. Uh... 
TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Talk Radio, with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale, and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. To the other side of the news. Our guest tonight is Dr. Deborah Green. To find our show page, go to the other side of midnight.com. Tonight's show is called Closing the Gates to a 5G Dystopia. In the future, you can also find us in the nav bar under the other side of the news. So, uh, Deborah, I also would like to bring on Annette Driscoll, who is a friend of yours, because she wants to ask some questions about mitigating the effects of 5G. So, Annette, are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay, so welcome to the other side of the news. Thank you. Hi, Deborah. Aloha, Annette. Uh, so, I want to talk, I, uh, we left off at the break a little bit about the, the physical aspects, and I, I would like to go just a little further so people can um, maybe understand you know, some people, I'm one of them, that has been diagnosed with electromagnetic sensitivity syndrome, and I know it's called a number of things, but could you explain a little bit about how that works and what goes on with that? Okay. Um, yeah, it's an interesting um, terminology because I, I agree with Arthur Furstenberg that, you know, to call it... Um, like a syndrome or to call it a sensitivity is kind of a misnomer because whether like this is a toxin and it would be, it would be the equivalent of, you know, somebody saying that they have arsenic sensitivity or something, you know, arsenic is a poison. <laughs> and so, right. And well, you, I know, you know that they, they love to do that because they say, Oh, it's a, it's a side effect of a drug, for example. No, no, no. It's it's a it's a drug reaction. You're, yeah. I mean, ex- right, exactly. And so, you know, I would call it uh, microwave injury, um, or or something like that, because um, you know whether we can feel it or not, we are all being injured by this. We are, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not just that some people experience it and others don't. That is not the case. So. Um, but, you know, some people are more sensitive, you know, and and uh, do have more more uh, experience of it in terms of, 
you know, their, their behavior. You know, they might feel fatigued, uh, tired all the time, uh, have difficulty sleeping, um, you know, headaches, a general feeling of discomfort, you know, just feeling like something is off. And uh, anxiety is another really common, um, you know, experience of people when they're exposed to this type of radiation. Um, could be difficulty concentrating. Uh, they might feel kind of depressed, not in a clinical sense, but, you know, just feeling down, um, irritable, you know, uh, having disruptions either visually or f- with hearing, skin problems, um, loss of appetite is another one. Um, so I mean, it's a, it's a it's it's quite quite a, a list that has been documented, and the way that you can tell if you're having this type of experience is when you're exposed to notice your symptoms or how you feel and then remove yourself, you know, from the radiation as much as you possibly can and notice if you feel better, you know, if you feel different. Well, that kind of brings me to my next part of that question, which is what can we do about the mitigation of it um, and, you know, our, our personal protection around it? Because, I live in um, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, it's pretty hard to get away from. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I lived on a boat for years, and I used to pull, pull up my, um, you know, pull up my internet, and I'd have easily uh, thirty neighbor signals going through my boat. And this happens. I mean, this is just the case, and especially if you're in an urban area. So. Um, do you ha- what would you say? I mean, how can people help themselves besides getting rid of the wireless and using cords? Uh, is there and, other- and why? Why besides that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. those are really, really important things, and I don't want to gloss over that at all. Okay. Um, you know, it's. I mean, the the wires, wires are your friends. You know, get wired. Um, and you know, another thing I like to say is we like it hard wired. That is. Like it's the more you can hardwire any any device, the the safer it is. If you can, you know, also turn off. You know, you can't just hide hardwire something. You also have to turn off the the Wi-Fi component and the Bluetooth component. Um, otherwise, the thing will keep emitting. But you know, hardwire your computer. You just need an Ethernet cable. Plug it into the router. You know. It's it's astounding to me that people think that that a computer doesn't work unless you're using Wi-Fi. Um, computers have been around, you know, decades before Wi-Fi ever came into being. So, yeah, just get yourself a Ethernet cable, which is very cheap. It's called a cable, but it's just a cord, just a small little thing. And uh, yeah, hardwire your computer. And, and again, remember to turn off the Wi-Fi at the computer and at the router. And you have got to do that or else each of those will, will keep emitting, you know, searching, searching for the, the signal. The, the, the thing that I, I've done exactly that in my, my, in my studio. Um, and, you know, I, I did feel it was an improvement. Yep. However, the point is, I think that the point that Annette was making is what about the 29 other signals 
from other people, the pollution from other people. How do you, how do we bring awareness to these people? You know, the oh. ones which are busy with their Bluetooth socks or, you know, uh, Bluetooth bow tie or whatever it is they have. And uh, you know, how, do, how do we get to those people and say, switch off your device? Well, you know, I, I have the instruments to measure um, this type of radiation. And I can tell you that just because somebody's Wi-Fi is showing up on your phone or on your cable box, it doesn't mean that you're being harmed by it. Okay? So that's just important to keep in mind. You know, people tend to think that because they have all their neighbors' Wi-Fi showing up that, that you're just, you know, being blasted by all of that. You may, you may very well not be. Um, so, again, just because it shows up, it doesn't mean that you're being harmed by it. Um, you can, you know, in terms of convincing people, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't do that um, because it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, myself personally, right now, I'm having to move out of my forever home because because of my neighbor's um, new routers. And um, yeah, it's, you know, and I have spoken with them and they're all, you know, they love their technology and they don't see the problem with it. And I'm not going to uh, try to convince them otherwise because it doesn't work. So I am moving and uh, I, you know, prior to moving, I did try shielding, which is another option, but um, shielding is, is a little bit dicey. I mean, you have to be careful when you're doing shielding because uh, you can, you can end up causing, you know, more problems than you're solving. Shielding is... Um, shielding these microwave frequencies from cell phones and Wi-Fi and cordless phones and all of that, um, it involves, you know, buying products that are, uh, that contain metal because basically these frequencies, because they're microwave, they're in the microwave range, um, they cannot penetrate through metal. That's why you're not supposed to put anything metal in a microwave oven. Um, if you've ever done that by accident, you won't have noticed that sparks fly because microwaves cannot penetrate metal. So the shielding has metal in it, and it will block the frequencies, but if you're not careful with it, you can also uh, create problems for you because, for example, I had shielding in my bedroom, which was fine, but then I had to put shielding on the other side of the wall because my neighbor on that side got, you know, a router. And so I had, I had shielding on, on both of the walls. And in that case, I had to be very, very careful to never bring any kind of uh, device or let anybody else bring any kind of device into that space. Because if you know, it, it, the shielding works both ways. It blocks the frequencies, but it also traps them. Mm. So if you, if you, you know, operate a, a cell phone or, you know, some kind of wireless device inside a room where you have shielded, then you're trapping the frequency and it turns it into a kind of, you know, Faraday cage with you on the inside or a microwave oven with you on the inside, Right. 
so, so Deborah, is this the reason that I, I feel really, I get really sick on planes? Is because it's a lot of metal? Is that what's going on? Um, I'm not an expert on on the airplane. I know that they use external antennas, but if there are people inside the plane who are using, um, you know, their devices, they're basically pulling those signals inside the aircraft and then yes it is you know bouncing around in there like you're on the inside of a microwave oven the same thing is true for subway trains and uh automobiles you know mm. uh, same just thing a second. You know, just when you sec- don't use your cell phone inside your car it's a very bad idea it turns your car into a mobile microwave oven with you on the inside getting cooked yeah, I, I was just casting my mind back. I mean, it wasn't so very long ago that people used to say, would you like a non-smoking or smoking seat on the airplane? And that seems absolutely ridiculous now, but it wasn't that long ago, if you think about it. It was probably only, what, 15 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then there was the whole thing that you would not be allowed to use any form of device or telephone on, on, on an airplane. But, you know, I'd say for many years, we've all been using sort of iPads and uh tablets and iPhones and, you know, whatever. Well, it's, plane. O- it's only recently, though, that they have allowed Wi-Fi. I mean, you could use your iPad, but you couldn't hook up to the Internet. But recently you can because they have st- they have installed, you know, Wi-Fi on the airplanes. And yes. when the smoking thing was going on in airplanes, at first it was there was no smoking section at all. You know, everybody's just smoking on the airplanes and you're sitting in it. And then when the awareness came. <laughs> it's laughable now. I know it is. And then when the awareness came, they were like, okay, smoking section, non-smoking. And, you know, maybe maybe we'll get there with Wi-Fi at some point, you know, as the awareness grows. The awareness is growing, which is good. But, you know, simple things that people can do without getting complicated into shielding. And then you have to test and you have to do, you know... Do not use a cordless phone. Um, you can even hardwire your cell phone. They make adapters now where you can, you know, use an inter, uh, sorry, an Ethernet cable and and hook hook it in, hook your cell phone into your uh, into your router, and, and you don't need to use it, you know, as um, while it's emitting. Um, if if you're using a cell phone and you you know you're not using Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, turn them off. Because it, it causes the phone to emit a lot more radiation if you keep Bluetooth enabled, if you keep, uh, you know, the Wi-Fi enabled, if you keep location services on, all that stuff. It just it just makes it emit even more. So turn all that stuff off, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're not using it. And what about not. putting your phone on uh, speaker? Does that really help or not? Putting your phone on speaker helps if if. If your other option is that you don't put it on speaker and you hold it next to your brain, distance is your friend when it comes to protection. You do not want to have the cell phone on your body. So, yes, using speaker mode is good because it gets the phone away from your body. And the best way to use speaker is to set the phone down on a table or a desk or a counter or something. Like, don't hold the phone in your hand while it's on speaker because you want to get the thing off your body as much as you Mm. can. And certainly don't, you know, carry a live 
active cell phone, if you're a man, inside your front pants pocket next to the family jewels. That is a really bad idea, and so many men do that. And again, those reproductive organs are extremely vulnerable to this type of radiation, and women have a tendency to carry cell phones, I've seen this so many times, in their bra. And it's just... It's a very, very bad idea. The best way to use a cell phone is to keep it in airplane mode most of the time. Airplane mode cuts the radiation substantially. And then you take it out of airplane mode, you set it down on a desk or a table, you access all of your messages, you return any phone calls, you do your business, and then you put the phone back into airplane mode again. And you keep it in airplane mode the vast majority of time. That's the best way to use a cell phone. Yeah, but so the, I- the, the obvious thing, sorry, and that's a very, very quick, the obvious thing is that you can't receive calls when you do that. So that's that's, that's correct. Why, why people are not going to be easily persuaded, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I, I, get, I get the gist of why. But uh... Most of the people who are not easily persuaded are people who, you know, like they're either running a business where they have to be a slave to the phone or they have children and they're afraid they're going to miss a call from their kids. Most other people who are aware of the problem will use airplane mode. The other thing is I've seen people, uh, literally uh, there was an interview this evening. I don't watch very much TV at all, but I happened to watch for, I don't know, half an hour or something. But there was a guy doing an interview and he had his, uh, cell phone, not cell phone, his smartphone in the pocket just above his heart. And I thought, well, that's not a good idea. Um, that's a very bad idea because, again, cardiac dysfunction is connected with this type of radiation. The other thing that you can do, which is what I do, is I use a, a corded landline. I use an old-fashioned <laughs> you know, landline phone and I forward my cell to my landline. So, you know, if I'm if I'm in my office at my desk, my cell phone seamlessly rings over to my corded landline, safe and healthy, and um, I do the same thing when I'm at home. The only time that my phone functions as a phone is if I'm traveling somewhere. Um, other than that, I'm, I always have it forwarded to, to a landline. And you don't miss any calls that way. And people who call you on your cell phone, they have no idea. It's a very seamless thing, it, you know. The phone just rings through. No phone calls missed. We have got to start uh, using more corded landlines because otherwise we're going to lose that infrastructure, you know, um, and that's what they want. They want to take down all the phone poles and, and, uh, and we need them. We desperately need them. So buy, a, a, get a landline. And use it. Do not use a cordless phone. Those are even worse than cell phones. Just so, to be clear, uh, is, is oh. that a DECT phone? D-E-C-T phone? A DECT phone, do you call that? Some of the cordless phones are DECT, yes. And those are very, very nasty. I heard they were, yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay, sorry, Anita. No, that's okay. Uh, Timothy stole my question about the cardiac stuff. and the, the, <laughs> He does yeah. that. Uh, but anyway... I have lots of other questions. So I wanted to ask a little bit about the uh, the attenuation um, bags that they have, like to slip your phone into. Yeah. Um, 
and what in how effective you think those are? I mean, have you measured that? And um, I don't use it, but I know people who do, and um, and I have measured uh, at least one, and and it does block the radiation. But you know, it seems to me that I mean, it's a lot easier to just put your phone in airplane mode. I mean, if you're going to go through the trouble of sticking a phone in a bag and sealing it, uh, you know, why not just put the phone in airplane mode? You don't have to spend any money on the bag. You don't have to go through the trouble of opening the bag, closing the bag, you know, digging for whatever. Like, I don't see the purpose of it, to be honest. I don't. I think, I think one of the purposes uh, is beyond that, that it's the, the ability to to track the phone uh, oh, for surveillance. Uh, I mean, it, there's two purposes there, right? Uh, yeah, you know. it probably it probably uh, does help with the surveillance aspect. Yes. Okay. Then I well, and I would also say that the young people today, their you know their their mode of socializing with each other is their cell phones, their constant contact by cell phone, texting each other back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And not just the young people. I would say most of the adults I know are also texting each other back and forth, whether it's on a regular chat line or it's on a Skype line or it's on a group me or it's Facebook. People are wanting to stay in communication with each other. I think that's the hard part of discouraging people, you know, encouraging them to put it on airplane mode is that they don't want to be out of contact. Yes, and, you know, we could have a nice juicy discussion about mediated contact and, you know, that versus in-person contact and, you know, talk about, you know, social distancing and how everybody's being forced right now, you know, to, to do this, this kind of mediated contact through, um, you know, computers and phones and everything. Um, but it's, yeah... Um, this technology, phones are, it, the research is really clear. They're extremely addictive, and the quality of, of the interactions that people have are greatly compromised. Somebody but Deborah agree. is, oh, sorry, did I cut somebody off? No, I just said I agree. Go ahead, Andrew. Okay, so Deborah, um, a couple things um, that you've been saying is a lot of the, and I actually opened the show with this about, you know, feelings. And a few times in your, you know, in your discussion, you talked about feelings. We talked about how this technology is, you know, impinging literally on our physical lives, obviously, um, with diapers. And I mean, the things we talked about, but there's almost, and, and, and the addictions. I mean, there was, I believe, reports in 2018, you know, former executives from Silicon Valley fully admitted, I mean, they were being interviewed by all major news corporations, that they purposely knew that by creating these social uh, media platforms that they would be making, you know, millions of people addicted to the dopamine that you would get from the hit of someone liking your thing. There again, we're, we're using a technology, an intercessor, to validate a feeling. You know, it, it's almost mm -hmm. like it's almost like we're using the technology as an intercessor, as as like a like. You talked about smoking, right? It's funny. I, I talked about that last week with our our last week's guest with 5G and that, you know, there, like you said, there was a time when smoking was literally encouraged, right? You know, mm -hmm. nine out of 10 doctors say this particular brand is tastes great and it's good for your throat. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we we find out the things that are not good. And yet, 
as I said last week, in traditional sort of um, tribal, you know, First Nations cultures, the traditional use and the very careful use of of medicinal or ceremonial tobacco, to this day, is still a very uh, pronounced um, practice. And where I'm going with this is, okay. On the other side of Midnight, which we're affiliated to, um, and that's Richard C.'s Hoagland's show, we have a, this, this very giant concept that humanity is much, 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 much older than what our mainstream um, you know, uh, sort of education has shown us. And, and I may be talking way outside your sphere, but just hang with me for a sec. Um, and in this sort of ancient time, if there was a time, you know, we may have been way more advanced than we really realize. And I'm talking very, very, very ancient. And, you know, we, we sort of tease the idea that could we have had incredible ancient knowledge and ancient technology, you know, that somehow connected us in a, in a distant time that we're not even aware of. And, you know, my thoughts are, is this addiction, this, this sort of need to kind of have this technology to speed up the, the, the communication somehow, is it a memory? Is, is it potentially a memory that we... We have, or is it just simply easy to do, and that's what we do? I, I know I'm, I'm really jumping around here, but it, th- there's this addiction, like you talk about, and this sense of sort of integrating and feeling with it, and it just—I mean, it's easy to dismiss it as like, oh yeah, it's let's get the kids off and let's get everybody off and just you know integrate back into re- you know our world again. But the reality is, video gaming, uh, movies, the increase in streaming virtual worlds are a real thing and they're emerging more and more and now we're coming out with articles and scientific studies that are saying hey we might actually be in a virtual reality so i guess what i'm saying is is this an an inevitable progression or a like a reaching back to a a former state again with the model that we could be very very ancient that's inevitable and we have to find maybe a better way maybe it's not 5g maybe it's something else that can help us I don't know, get there if that's what we need. Does any of that make any sense to you? Well, it, it, it does in that I, you know, I, I think I would agree that these, these types of technologies are satisfying our yearning for connection. Um, but the, the challenge that I see with going in the direction of these types of technologies is that they they are designed to pull us outside of ourselves and and the type of connection that i believe we're all yearning for happens inside of us if that makes any sense yeah well there's let me let me um sort of grab another one for you so this is a i i can't remember where i read this but it was a story i read about again sort of tribal cultures you know, sort of traditional tribal cultures and this idea that within these 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 tribes, they could literally, the, the people in the village could get a sense, you know, we now might call it sort of a psychic sense, that one of their members is in trouble in the forest. And almost instantaneously, three or four of them or more head out into the forest and find this injured, you know, maybe she was a woman collecting something in, in the village. And she's out there and she got injured and they all knew it on some level. And that's what I mean is that are we yearning for a time that we had a a better like natural and internal internet within ourselves and between each other? Yes, and I agree with you. And I will again say that that kind of sensitivity and ability to communicate telepathically 
in that manner is something that happens internally. It happens inside of us. And it happens by us being highly, highly attuned to those messages inside of us. And the problem with these devices and these types of technologies is that they pull us out of of ourselves. The focus is all on the phone. The focus is all on, you know, the computer. The focus is all external. And and so we could we're not nurturing and and developing those internal senses. We're not. We're we're just out there, you know, focused on, oh, how many likes did I get and and, you know, is, is anybody, you know, going to respond to my text message? I want to go meet somebody for dinner, whatever. It's like it's all external. And and so in, in that respect, I agree with you on the yearning part. I disagree that that is ever going to be achieved through the use of these types of technologies. It has to be the technologies of the self. It has to be these inner senses that are developed um, in order to achieve that type of what I would call telepathic communication and those sensitivities. Well, that's great. I want to ask it's you... It's break another... time, break oh. time. We're coming up on break. So you're listening to The Other Side of the News. Our guest tonight is Dr. Deborah Green. Your co-hosts are Andrew Curry, Timothy Saunders, Annette Driscoll, and myself, Kinthea. We'll catch you on the other side of the break. The other side of midnight.com. Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Search the archives. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Membership costs $9.95 a month. 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back to the other side of the news. Our show tonight is Closing the Gates to a 5G Dystopia, and our guest is Dr. Deborah Green. So, Andrew, I understand you have a question for Dr. Deborah. Yes, one more. Um, so, again, kind of off the top, and when 
Timothy and Kinthi and I were talking, and when you came in, Deborah, we, we and you very much highlighted how you know the five G technology is going to help increase the information base. And one of the things that you know my questions are besides the sort of marketeering and the and the and the companies that want to sell us more stuff, et cetera. This information and this sort of constant processing and this constant, you know, monitoring of our, you know, literally our feelings and maybe on some strange level, our consciousness is feeding into something. And my question is, you know, and I, I know this, again, might go a little further than where we're, we're talking about here, but it, it's just a curiosity that I have is, is what is it that we're, that we're feeding? Are we creating some sort of artificial superintelligence that, you know, could come back and bite us or something that we have to be integrated into somehow in the future. I mean, this is what Elon Musk is talking about and people like him. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll give you, um, and this is a very archaic and ancient concept, but sort of back to the model that maybe we are very ancient. So in, in the Old Testament, there is a, a passage and some listeners might know this and Dr. Joseph Farrell brings it up. He's a researcher of, you know, alternative subjects. But there's this idea that the original Lucifer figure might have actually been either AI or part AI, again, in this kind of model. So I, I, wanna, I just want to read it to you. So the day that Lucifer was created, tablets were in him. And I'll read it. So it's from Ezekiel 28, um, 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. And some people interpret this as, oh, it's, it's a musical instrument, it's, it's, it's a tambourine, or it's an organ of some sort. And other people, like Dr. Joseph Farrell, suggest that, are we talking about a being that was literally a, a, a computer, a, a machine, a living instrument? Because the tabrets and the pipes tablets being like um, uh, drum drum surface, pipes being pipes, were literally in him. So if it's a metaphor, that's great. But that's what I'm saying now. What, what are we feeding? Are we feeding a super intelligence? Is it, it, do you know what I mean? Um, did you see the film Her? No. Oh, it was all about what you just described about oh. this kind of super intelligence <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, through, through technology, right? Through computers and so forth. Um, it, yeah. I, I, I think you would really like that film. Um, it's, it's, it's an excellent film. Um, but to answer your question, um, I, I, I sort of see the technology as being more um, anti. <laughs> I see it as going against consciousness, and I see it as as sort of anti-life um, in a lot of ways. And that's just my, you know, my my personal take on it. Um, especially if it gets out of balance. I mean, of course, some electronics is good and necessary but if it starts to like i'm not into the whole cyborg thing and right, you know right. bionic people and extending our lives you know through through these kind of implants and so i'm just not uh i'm not a fan i'm not sure if that answers your question no i think it does i mean i i, I think it's 
basically we're we're moving to a very dangerous place, right? Because we're it's becoming well, so easy. Yeah. Well, especially. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to say that because we are moving to a dangerous place, I'd like to hear Deborah what you have to say about how what actions we can take to mitigate <laughs> this. That's where I want to go before the show is over. I want to hear what what we can do. Reel us in, baby. Um, oh my goodness, how can I how can I address that at this point? Um, well, can I can I jump in with just a point just before we go there, Kintia? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, we have we're giving our children tablets. So, you know, I I, I put my hand up. Yes, I did. The school said you require them for school, but in actual fact, the school hardly uses them. Actually, they've been using them in the lockdown. But, but I mean, they would rather sit on the beach in a hammock in the shade playing a virtual game, running around a virtual environment with their friends who are also sitting on the beach in the next hammock next to them. I know. And I'm saying, guys, what the what the hell are you doing? There's the beach, there are the waves, there's a football, there's, there's a sandcastle, there's, you know, fish, there's a rock, there's a mm. crab over there, you know, go and have some fun. Mm. Oh, no, but we're just playing one more game. So there's something very wrong with that, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I know that I'm to blame, and it's something I, I try and police very, very, very much with, with my own kids. Mm-hmm. So we are our own worst enemies in this respect. Another snapshot how many times you go to a restaurant and there's a couple mm-hmm. and they are not talking, they're not even looking each other in each eyes, in each other's eyes, but they're actually just texting other people in other places instead of actually having a conversation across the table. There's something very wrong with that as well, in my the, opinion. Not just couples. I've seen entire families doing okay. that. <laughs> even, okay. So to answer your question, Andrew, before we go on, uh, to answer your question very quick, quickly is I think that what, this technology is doing is it's bypassing consciousness. Maybe that's not exactly the right word to use, but it's bypassing any form of telepathy, instinct, consciousness, um, the true natural being, what the, 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 I might go as far as saying soul. um, And it's going straight into the point of the brain, which is giving the, uh, the pleasure and the satisfaction feeling of, you know, uh, playing Fortnite or running around a Minecraft environment or texting somebody who's on the other side of the planet when your partner is one meter away from you. Right. So that's what I think is happening. Mm-hmm. I agree. So is, is it by design or is it just kind of going there because we're just kind of going there? I think it's by design, and I am going to talk about what we can do. (laughs) Yes, please. We have 20 minutes. (laughs) I know. Um, I do think it's by design, though. Um, So that's my two cents worth on that. Okay. Um, And we can circle back around to that if I I can just say a couple of things that I think are really important for people to know, because I'm I'm a solutionist, you know, I don't I don't like to just criticize things and say this is bad or whatever without saying, you know, what we can do. Um, So uh, I'm a big advocate of what is called safe G. And you can learn more about safe G by going to safe G dot net. Um, we could also put that in, you know, on the show, uh, uh, list or whatever. Um, and basically safe G is that fiber optics are our friend. Um, you know, 
we are not Luddites. We do not want to return to the dark ages. We do not want to, you know, get rid of all technology. I actually love technology and I use it a lot. So, but we can, we can have safe technology and, Part of that is fiber optics, and fiber optics is already built into the system because all of the towers and antennas are connected underground to fiber optics. That's the backbone of the whole thing, and all we're asking for is fiber to the premises. In other words, instead of running fiber to these towers and antennas and then spraying out this toxic wireless radiation and harming everybody, including all, not just humans, but including all plants and animals and insects, all, all life, all life forms are harmed by this radiation. So instead of doing that, would you please just bring fiber optics to the premises, to the homes, to the businesses? And then if somebody wants to irradiate themselves inside their home to their heart's content, they're very welcome to do that, but at least it won't be killing everybody else along the way. And we'll have a choice. Those of us who want to choose out of that can do that. And then the question arises, what about cell phones? Well, you can still have a cell phone and you can still make phone calls. What, what would be... Um, compromised in this scenario is in this solution is that the cell phone would become um, just a, a phone call mechanism and if you wanted to surf the web and all the rest of that you would have to do that at home on your computer and in order to have a cell phone function as a phone very 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 little wireless infrastructure is necessary for that and it could be very safe and and not have this harmful thing that we have going right now so i want to just put that out there the second thing that's very important that i want to say is if you want to slow down or stop 5g it is the local municipalities that have the power. You will be best focusing your efforts on the city councils, the county councils. That's where the power is to stop 5G. And, you know, you can focus on the state and, and national levels as well, but if, you know, a lot of us don't have endless resources, and so we have to choose. And so if you have to choose, please focus on the local municipality. That's where the power is. I because do have a question. May I just jump in very quickly? Because I know you're on a roll here. I'm on a roll, I'd... baby. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. But surely the, the mere fact that 5G is being rolled out across the planet, not everywhere, but let's just say in, in the, uh, the built-up areas of the planet and also off-world as well, thanks to, to Starlink and so on. Um, if that is happening regardless of everybody, I say everybody, many people protesting and, and uh, you know, complaining and saying, let's stop it, then why is it still going ahead? And therefore, how, how is it that, you know, it seems to be there's some more powerful hand pushing forward you, you love the big abstract questions you love it okay yeah. let's but, go but there do you see yes. what i mean how, how can you fight the you know the global rollout with the local government that's what i'm trying to get to but you can 
because because that's where the power is. And believe me, big telecom and perhaps even, you know, the bigger agenda globalists do not want you to know this. They do not want you to know that your local government has the power to stop this. They will do everything to try to convince you otherwise, including lying and spreading misinformation and everything else. But it's, it is a fact, and it was built in, it, at least in the United States, I can talk about, you know, the Telecom Act of 1996, which telecom lobbyists have done such a great job of convincing everyone that no objection can be made to sell infrastructure because the Telecom Act of 1996, Section 704, prohibits any, you know, uh, um, objection to cell towers or antennas based on environmental effects, which has been interpreted as health effects. They will say that until they're blue in the face. But the the truth is that there, when the Telecom Act of 1996 was being crafted, big telecom lobbied hard to restrict local authority, but Congress did not abide. They did the opposite. And so you need to go to Section 47 USC 332C7A, which clearly states that there is a preservation of local zoning authority, and it very clearly says that the local government or instrumentality thereof has the power to make decisions regarding the placement, construction, and modification of wireless infrastructure. So this is an education process that is ongoing right now where where we are you know helping people to wake up to this reality and this is compliments of attorney Andrew Campanelli whose website is anticelltowerlawyers.com and he specializes in litigation protecting civil rights to oppose the installation of towers and antennas and he has won over 80% of his more than 7000 cases so there's this artificial you know telecom lobbyist fear that is being put into local municipalities and they have nothing to fear because even if big telecom comes at them with a lawsuit they don't win any money damages and they don't win any attorney's fees so there's no threat of financial loss to the government thank you for letting me get that out so deborah what you're saying is that if if we nibble at the hemlines, all our particular hemlines on the big garment around the world, and eventually the whole darn thing's going to come off the body, and we're going to expose this thing. Absolutely, yeah. and that's how that's how most major change has happened. Mm-hmm. If you look through history, that's how it is. It's like it's always the actions of you know individual people who are taking back their power and empowering themselves to to speak up and. And educate. So, in in terms of this issue with your local legislators, you just have to form relationships with your county and city officials, and educate, educate, educate. That's you just have to let them know that they have the power. They've only heard one side of the story. They've only heard the lobbyists of big telecom who are not telling the truth. Well, so that, that is. Very, very encouraging to hear. But what yeah. about Elon Musk? I mean, he seems to there, have the corner. In the encouragement on that is that there is right now a, 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 an international coalition of attorneys who have come together with the specific purpose 
of litigating against Elon Musk and his satellites. And and Elon Musk isn't the only one, by the way. No, that's but right. It it is being addressed um, by this international coalition of attorneys, and and so you know the the cavalry is arriving. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of actions that are being taken and that are mobilizing right now to to turn the tide on this thing, and it is very hopeful. Believe me. That that's very encouraging to hear as well, because let's just bring it out for the listeners that I believe Elon Musk has gained permission to put not only 42,000 satellites into low orbit space, but also up to 1 million ground antennas. So just to correct that, the the ground antennas have been improved, approved, but he does not yet, as far as we know, have permission for his 40 plus thousand. Um, that that is that is what he wants, but as far as we know, that hasn't been approved really? yet. Because there um, are more than four hundred up there right now. That's true. There are four hundred and twenty, as far as we know, yes. and he has said that he would activate them when he has more than four hundred, and there, you know, <laughs> because he doesn't have to disclose anything. Um, you know, we don't really know if they've been activated or not, but there is reason to believe that perhaps perhaps they have. Deborah, mm. yes, uh, this is Aneta, and we have someone that you've been working with in Hawaii on your grassroots movement. There, Dulcy is waiting on the line with a question for you. Dulcy, yay! <laughs> so, do we have her, Keith? Hello, this is Dulcy. Aloha, um, Dulcy. One of the speak up Dulcie. a little, Dulcy. Aloha. Um, one of the things I was wondering um, if you could talk about what we're doing uh, on the islands, um, utilizing the the meters that you created a campaign to to purchase, and some of the the um, some of the things that we have been discovering while we have been taking readings on um, at the cell phone towers and in front of the antenna. Yes. Thank you, Delcy. I will. I will speak briefly to that. So, um, I created a GoFundMe campaign to to raise money to purchase the Safe and Sound Pro Two meter, um, which is which is a very it's a, it's a meter that's certified to be accurate, and um, it it costs. Um, under $400, around $400 with shipping and all of that. And um, the goal was to raise enough money to purchase one of these meters for each of the main Hawaiian islands, Maui, Big Island, Kauai, and Oahu. And our campaign was a success. Um, We exceeded our goal. The meters were purchased and now we have on each island uh, what I fondly refer to as a meter leader, Delcy being one of them. And we meter leaders go out um, into the field with our meters and we are measuring the radiation coming off of towers and antennas. Our purpose in doing this is fivefold. Number one, we want to have an accurate inventory of where this infrastructure is. Um, Number two, we want to take readings because we're measuring the radiation and the meters that we're using are calibrated to health effects. And that's a very important distinction because um, we're concerned about whether people's health is being impacted by this. 
And these meters are not calibrated to the FCC limits, which are ridiculous. They haven't been updated since uh, the 1990s, and FCC uh, limits are based on science from the 1980s. Um, so just to give you an example, the Bioinitiative Report says that biological effects start at around six microwaves per square meter. The FCC limits are 5,800,000 microwatts per square meter. Did you comprehend that? So we're talking about limits that are just absolutely useless, outdated. So we're measuring health effect limits with, with our meters. So we want to do the inventory. We want to measure the radiation and make a record of it. Um, we have an online database where all of these readings are being entered. And then we want to make it public once we have enough data points. We want to make it public so that people know what they're being exposed to. Um, we also want to expose the neighbors that are making money off of irradiating their neighbors because anybody who agrees to put up a tower or antenna on their building or on their property is making money from big, big telecom. So we want to expose those people who are making money off of harming their neighbors. And the fifth thing is we are going to use our, our data to influence um, policy here in the Hawaiian Islands to get policy and ordinances enacted that can actually protect us. So that project is happening right now, and the readings that we're getting are extremely, extremely alarming. The amount of radiation that we are being exposed to is very disconcerting. May I ask which meter you choose for this? It's called the Safe and Sound Pro 2. Mm, okay, that's thank you. the meter and it's it's um you can find them online uh safe living uh is is the company that um that i think makes the meters um but you, you can give you me know, the link i'll put it on the page yes various various places sell them um but it's a really good meter and the other interesting thing is that after we got the money, I went to buy the meters, and those meters were sold out everywhere. I couldn't find a single one on the Internet anywhere. And then I called up um, one of the companies that sells them because I wanted to find out when they were coming back in stock. And he said, well, just a minute. Let me see if I have one you know, laying around here. And then he came back on the phone, and he said, I have four of them, which is exactly what we needed. So we were able to get started right away even though the meters were sold out everywhere. Perfect. Well, if they're sold out, that means more and more people are looking for them and they're aware of it. And I'm Absolutely. just so excited to hear what positive action, what you mentioned about the cell tower lawyers and their successes with their cases. It gives, gives me great hope. Many successes. And the other thing I'll mention is that if you're working at the grassroots level, get a bunch of volunteers to be what I call phone angels. Get your phone angel volunteers together because you can always use this group of people to make phone calls. And we're utilizing our phone angel group here um, in Hawaii now to make phone calls to all of the candidates because we it's an election year for us. 
us. And so we are making this an election issue by calling all the candidates and asking them what their stand is on 5G. And then we're going to publish our, our results so that everybody knows when they go to the polls who they want to vote for. Great. And it's another very simple thing that, that can be done just by getting a group together to make those phone calls and then spreading the word. I mean, I've I'm, been collecting emails ahead. for quite a while. We, ha- we have a pretty good-sized email list here, almost 4,000, so I can get the word out that way. But we also have a Facebook page, 5G Free Hawaii. That's another way that you can get the word out. I wish I'd known what what you're sharing when they were putting up a tower here because I went to our city council and there were many of the citizens there. And, of course, they had their big lawyers there and they said, oh, you can't talk about health. Nope, you you can't talk about it. We were like silenced. It's really terrible. Yes, that's why you need to strategize. And when you're going to a hearing, you you do not talk about health. But there are very legitimate issues that you can bring up, and that's another thing that we do is we educate people about how to make how to how to give testimony, and and what are the points that you can focus on. So um, it's really it's really just learning and and education process. So if they've already put up a tower, can you? have them take it down? It's very difficult to do that unless it somehow is in violation. We actually just discovered uh, an illegal tower here on Maui that went up during lockdown and it's illegal and we discovered that by getting the documents from our planning department and looking at the dates and sure enough they applied for a permit but their permit had expired and they built it anyway. That was Verizon. They built their tower. They knew their permit had expired. And then when our planning department reached out to them, they refused to respond for a very long time. And now we're trying to get that tower taken down or else a fine. Yeah, well, our tower was illegal. We all knew it because it had it was certain specifications. And then they were wanting to make it even bigger, taller. And that was not allowed. But they plowed right through. And well, I can't that, say much for our city council because they let them plow through. Well, there's a lot of stories about people being influenced and paid off and everything else. But maybe it's just an education process. Or you can call Andrew Campanelli. He litigates in that area. And he's really good. And he's with the Cell Tower Lawyers, anticelltowerlawyers.com. Uh, yes, anticelltowerlawyers.com. You can put that on the... I did. It's number five. Excellent. Thank you, guys. It's been so much fun. (laughs) The time flew, flew, flew. (laughs) Is there anything you'd like to recap in our last minute here? Uh, It's more than a minute. I mean, it's less than a minute left. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Don't give up. Never give up. Thank you for being a fabulous guest. Aloha. Never give up. Aloha. (laughs) 